Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. The use of cyber weapons, both defensive and offensive, is supposed to be a hallmark of modern war, supplementing and even supplanting traditional kinetic operations. Yet in the Russia-Ukraine war, for instance, cyber seems to have been in use less than expected, and if it accompanied the Russian invasion, had little impact unless media manipulation is taken into account. Israel, too, has recently seen cyber exchanges, such as an Iranian attempt to embarrass Mossad director David Barnea. Is Israel's security shield strong enough to withstand attacks in wartime? Or is it only a secondary front when planes are bombing and missiles are being launched? With us to deliberate these questions from Central Israel is Professor Colonel in Reserve Gabi Siboni, who is a cybersecurity expert at the Jerusalem Institute for Strategy and Security. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you. Also joining us from another location in central Israel is Mr. Alexei Kravtsov, who is a cloud security and R&D team leader at Cisco. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Thank you. With me in the studio is uh, our TV7 editor at large and host of both Watchmen Talk, Powers in Play, as well as many others, Mr. Amir. Oren Amir, give us a broader understanding on this dimension that the majority of people, let's face it, are not familiar with, uh, even though everybody are tapped into it. Well, cyber has been the new kid on the block for the uh, last decade or so, and uh, has been officially added to uh, uh, ground, air, naval, uh, and space uh, warfare dimensions. But it seems um, uh, to be uh, one of the two. Either it has not been really effective up to now in such a campaign, Uh, It is um, very effective in uh, uh, pinprick um, sort of of blows. Or else uh, the various uh, uh, cyber powers are keeping it for another rainier day, for a full-scale total war uh, where they will try to uh, take down um, government Uh, uh, offices or headquarters or centers of gravity. Um, Apparently, uh, they seem, the Russians uh, seem uh, to think that it is pointless to try and do it uh, right now, as they are involved in what Putin has called um, a special military operation, which is really another name for a raid, for sending forces in and out Um, during a very short time. And by the way, when Israeli observers uh, are asking themselves uh, publicly, how come such a great power for an entire month um, does not manage to get its objectives, let's remember that only eight years ago in Operation Protective Edge, it took Israel 51 days uh, to uh, get its objectives with Hamas Uh, 10 10 kilometers or so from the headquarters of this organization. Uh, So um, it is too too soon to know what really happened and then draw the lessons from it. With that being said, at least if we take the Russia-Ukraine war into uh, context, it seems like uh, uh, the Russians employed uh, some sort of a 
uh, cyber offensive, but uh, we're utilizing it, if we bring it in layman's terms, uh, uh, Professor Siboni, more of an artillery shock uh, before the invasion, which allowed them to uh, cause some sort of mix-up within uh, vital infrastructure within Ukraine. Uh, am I correct in this assumption? Well, uh, well I, 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 I have to agree with uh, Amir and, uh, that, uh, that uh, n- not even that uh, we are uh, looking at uh, a power doing an operation, a military operation in, uh, in Ukraine and we are sitting with a stopwatch as if it is done here. He gave uh, the example of us, but uh, look, uh, the, the time clicks uh, differently for if you are a, a superpower like Russia. So don't, we should not be counting time and see what's, uh, what they have they achieved in a month of uh, operation. Now, cyber warfare is, has been always, not always, but uh, has been part of the Russian do- doctrine. Uh, Garisimov doctrine, which was published, uh, Garisimov was, uh, is the Russian uh, uh, head of military, the, the, the military commander of Russia. Uh, published uh, uh, as early as 2013, uh, the Garisimov Doctrine, which really creates a hybrid way of uh, conducting war, uh, combining uh, kinetic activity with uh, uh, cyber activity, fake news, disinformation, and uh, diplomatic and economic activity against uh, rivals. So Russians are are using uh, these tools in the way that uh, they think appropriate, I think that. Um, we know, uh, at least uh, I, I presume, that the Russian capabilities are, are way beyond what we see. Even though they, they've done what you said, like an artillery uh, fires preparation before the invasion, they have uh, begun uh, uh, cyber activity for some time now. It's, it's been years, but let's say uh, a month before the invasion, they've been uh, um, escalating their cyber activity, cyber offensive against uh, Ukraine. Uh, we don't know what are the goals of Russia, so we don't know the whole scheme of what are the goals. I would uh, hesitate to give marks to uh, the Russian uh, military operation as well to the cyber operation of Russia and to say whether they have been successful or whether it is uh, within our expectations. They know what they're doing, I assume, and, uh, and uh, in terms of capabilities, I, I think that uh, they have much more capabilities than what we have seen until now. Indeed. Mr. Kravtsov, when we're looking at uh, the situation, however, unfolding there, even though, as uh, uh, Professor Siboni has mentioned, uh, the majority of Russian capabilities were not unveiled uh, as of yet in in the Ukraine arena, uh, from the private sector that you're coming from, to what degree are you studying the current uh, events unfold, uh, unfolding from a cybersecurity perspective in order to prepare for a potential situation or scenario in which Israel is attacked and then uh, you, among many others, will have to stand and protect vital infrastructure in this country? Yes, so uh, cyber attacks, it's a, it's a very wide term, you could say. Uh, so you have the attacks that are... are easy to perform if you are a superpower like Russia or you have a lot of uh, computing capabilities. Uh, so attacks like denial of service on governmental services, it's very effective. It's relatively not that sophisticated. It's just brute force if you have the, the power to generate uh, this, uh, this traffic. And of course, there are uh, more so- sophisticated attacks that uh, take uh, I don't know, years and maybe a, lo- a lot of research to uh, find the exact vulnerability 
and you don't want necessarily to uh, to show it uh, right away or you prefer to wait when the time is right uh, but in general if you take a look of how you can protect yourself and the general infrastructure uh, so it's best to uh, first of all use uh, trusted platforms because when you're a company you uh, hire and rent a lot of computing power especially if you reusing a cloud infrastructure you don't develop and manage everything your own but you buy these services from the big cloud providers and you basically trust them to mitigate the this simple attack uh, like denial of service uh, and uh, for the more sophisticated attacks the, the actual vulnerabilities in your business logic um, it is important to follow a strict supply chain best guidelines when you build your software because eventually everything is software that is running there so uh, there are several standards that um, are now created of how you do you trust software and uh, how to produce trusted software and, and as a software consumer how do you make sure that this software was created according to the best uh, practices um, so that's something that needs to be considered of how do you trust your software produce a provider like how do you trust your automobile for example that you know it, it did crash crash tests and uh, uh, what parts it contains and if each part has some uh, weaknesses so the same concept is with uh, in, uh, with software now you want to understand exactly what tests were uh, done during the software creation and what are the consistent parts of this software and whether there are weaknesses in these parts. So this sounds to me as if it's uh, uh, SIGINT and human uh, intertwined in one. Mr. Oren, uh, to what degree, obviously, is uh, uh, this uh, continued study of, of variables that are being utilized by enemy states? Of course, we have the Islamic Republic of Iran uh, not shying away from trying to harm Israeli infrastructure on the cybersphere. Well, when you mention uh, signal intelligence and human intelligence, um, you add the third dimension uh, because um, a military commander or the highest authority, let's say the chief of staff or even the cabinet, they have to consider both the defensive and the offensive uses of cyber, but also if they want uh, to uh, penetrate and have intelligence dominance, uh, they should shy away from interfering with what the other guy is doing. If they do that, they will uh, be uh, almost uh, blind or deaf. So there is this uh, dilemma. Now, um, we don't really know what happened to the Russian convoys on their way from the Belarusian um, border to Kiev. But one has to assume that perhaps uh, some counter cyber attack by the Ukrainians or by someone outside of Ukraine who helped them, did it. And therefore, the lesson for Israel is that uh, if the uh, uh, general staff hears the advice of old army generals who uh, advised them to send armored columns into Gaza or into Lebanon the next time around, perhaps the enemy would be sophisticated enough to block these advances by cyber attacks, because um, the best uh, armor uh, divisions that Israel have are, could be, vulnerable 
to cyber attacks. So, so one should not rush into accepting uh, uh, such an advice between, before making sure of uh, connectivity and the command and control, uh, which are, of course, uh, the uh, real advantages of uh, the Israeli Defense Forces over other uh, uh, militaries. One other point is that uh, the Pentagon uh, only uh, earlier this week came out uh, with uh, its uh, cyber uh, and information doctrine. And what uh, they uh, briefed reporters about when they issued uh, this doctrine is that they uh, already uh, perceived some intelligence collection efforts by cyber powers. They didn't name these cyber powers, but obviously they could be the Russians or the Chinese. Let's assume the Russians uh, were there. It means that uh, when Russia prepared this operation, they knew that uh, the United States and NATO will not intervene militarily, but they wanted to be prepared for the eventuality of some cyber operations, and they prepared their own counter operations. They did nothing. They just collected what in, in military jargon is, is called operational intelligence collection in order to prepare the operation itself. So obviously, people are on edge. What did not happen up to now could happen tomorrow. Indeed. I'd like to ask you, Professor Siboni, when we're looking at uh, uh, the overview or the oversight of, of the government uh, here in Israel and the capacity to provide uh, crucial advice to the private sector, uh, especially during times of war and during uh, cybersecurity offensives uh, by enemy states or by non-state actors. Uh, is there a mechanism currently in play that is capable of, of uh, truly withstanding a uh, full-out attack by any organization, and if such, uh, to what degree was the alarm when uh, we heard it just uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago or three weeks ago when uh, the Iranians uh, allegedly uh, targeted uh, government uh, websites and were able to do denial of service, as uh, Minister, uh, Mr. Kravtsov uh, mentioned? Uh, was that truly uh, something to be alarmed about, considering the fact that it's so simple to do? Well, you have too many questions in uh, uh, I, I would like to first start with uh, relating to what Amir said, and I would not uh, not uh, easily neglect uh, any uh, kinetic operation, any maneuver. And I think that um, we have yet uh, seen to see uh, this uh, Leon Panetta's uh, cyber Pearl Harbor. Uh, still, in the in my view, in the foreseen uh, future, uh, kinetic operations, military kinetic operations. They are uh, the only tool that uh, may achieve um, um, results. So I would hesitate uh, to um, advise our uh, our leaders not to use uh, our uh, ground forces uh, in combat. This was um, even uh, though our past experience, uh, aerial attacks and uh, perfect intelligence uh, do not uh, deliver the, the results we need in, uh, in the time we need. Now, going to your question, I, I would say that uh, that uh, um, what we have seen until now, um, uh, we, do, we, we do not see uh, real harm. I mean, uh, in, in 15 or 20 years of, um, let's say, information operations, uh, in, in, in big data for the operations, uh, it has been uh, 
long lasting for other means. But in, in digital uh, um, information uh, warfare, uh, we've not seen anything that um, might resemble to any kinetic results. So, um, denial of service, whatever you can find, it, it's uh, nothing compared to what what uh, 19 people did with the uh, with the knives and uh, uh, backpacks uh, in 9/11. Um, and uh, so we should take it in perspective. So denial of service, okay, there was denial of service of public um, exposed to the internet website. But then remember that uh, the operational systems are much more protected than uh, the websites, and uh, there it's a bit uh, more difficult, and though it can uh, be done, but it's uh, somewhat more difficult to do. And uh, to raise the, the, the cybersecurity of a nation is not only to raise the cybersecurity of its uh, uh, government entities and the operational entities and security services, but to raise the whole civilian sector. For this, you need to uh, to join forces. Our authorities, our uh, government uh, entities, need to join forces with the civilian sector and to help um, and to guide and to um, sometimes regulate uh, um, to make sure that uh, those entities that can harm our national security are better secured. Um, so we are all as a nation are better secured. Uh, in, in a way. Not all uh, regulation is uh, negative, so it it's, uh, enforces regulation. Sometimes you can have positive regulations like uh, insurances that can play um, a big role and if you give incentives to to buy cyber uh, insurance, which means that if you buy cyber insurance, the, the insurer will, will ask you to improve your insurance before you pay um, a higher tariff. So, uh, I think there is a role, a combined role between uh, the civilian sector and the uh, Indeed, Mr. Kovtsov, uh, I'd like to hear more from you from a, uh, if you will, coordination uh, aspect. To what degree, uh, as somebody who has also been in uh, other cybersecurity uh, companies here in Israel, including Checkpoint and others, uh, do you feel that there is enough involvement or enough accessibility to receive the directives or the assistance necessary in order to ensure that the private sector uh, in Israel, as well as elsewhere, uh, among like-minded nations, is enough? Yeah, so I think that <clears throat> the, the big security companies are not focused specifically on the little guy or, or the population, they're trying to sell their products to other big companies, to banks and uh, uh, some large companies. So it, uh, so cyber education is very important. So maybe uh, the big companies are doing it as a publicity stance, maybe you can call it, or as blogs to try to be a relevant player in the cybersecurity research. But um, the best practices, uh, the easiest thing that you can do uh, is to do uh, social uh, attacks, uh, so uh, like phishing and steal credentials, and that's how you eventually, uh, that's how all the, the attacks of stealing information basically happen. Uh, so first of all, you gather as much information as you can, papers, documents, whatever, and then you think what to do with them and how to leak them or and, and create the fear. Uh, so in, in order to avoid this, uh, the, the, the banks and the, uh, all the um, financial or, and government uh, 
services are, are well protected relatively, but the weaknesses in, in these places of stolen passwords and, and, and credentials and so on. So uh, yeah, you need to be skeptical. You need to uh, make sure that uh, the the link or or whatever uh, you open in it is uh, it, it is certified and trusted and encrypted and uh, so on and so on. So it's important for the little uh, guy to follow the best practices to avoid um, being uh, you know stolen stolen all your information because. Uh, eventually, the big events uh, and the big loss in uh, reputation and fear come from that part of uh, social engineering, you could call it. You, you know, Jonathan, uh, it's uh, very refreshing, especially for us. Uh, we can hardly operate the smartphone, um, let alone uh, know uh, what is in the uh, be uh, belly of the beast. It's very refreshing to hear experts uh, such as Professor Sibodi and Mr. Kravtsov not trying to peddle the product. One would ex uh, expect uh, cyber experts to say that uh, cyber is the most important dimension on Earth. But they are very realistic and um, uh, they look at it uh, uh, with the right proportion and perspective. Uh, let me just add uh, one point. Because Israeli leaders and uh, senior officers know what cyber as well as intelligence can perform, they are themselves, um, one may say, cyber deterred. They act as if they might be undergoing cyber attacks continuously. So they are disconnected from the outside world as much as possible. For instance, if you go into the office of an Israeli serving general, you will not see him following any website on the internet. His computer is completely shut out from the outside world in order not uh, to be infected um, by any uh, cyber hacker. In so, other rooms, you don't enter with any phone or any of course, technology. Of course, but, but uh, that means that if, if a decision maker um, acts on, on something, um, he cannot, he or she cannot see the results on uh, any news site, news uh, website, until he goes out uh, into his car or wherever. So uh, it's, it's a very strange situation where almost every Israeli, every guy on the street can be more up to date on what is happening than the most senior decision maker who is dependent on official reports. During times of peace, but when of course. the situation turns around, it uh, obviously is uh, not always that fortunate. But... Uh, Professor Siboni, I'd like to ask you specifically, as uh, the majority of the people watching right now are laymen just like myself uh, when it comes to cybersecurity and uh, uh, theft of identity and, and uh, credentials and all kind of things like that is something that is happening on a regular basis. We hear about it all the time. It's reported uh, extensively in the news. To what degree is this something that is being utilized by non-state actors and state actors for that matter uh, in order to cause uh, frustrations and even uh, harm 
malicious uh, activities uh, when we're talking about this campaign between the wars that is currently being engaged between Israel, Iran, and uh, the, the various proxies under it. Look, uh, um, what we see in the, in the past years, that uh, normally we used to divide the cyber, uh, cyber activity, offensive activity between politically motivated and uh, criminally motivated. It means that politically motivated, you will find the states are acting and doing what is called something like cyber war or during, during, during uh, wartime on cyber uh, politically motivated activities. Uh, as we seen in Israel by Iran, and then there are others, which is uh, the magnitude is is is, is in, in a factor uh, greater um, cyber crime because the money will vote. What we see in the last years is that uh, it's like a hybrid uh, situation where cyber crime, some of it, is begins to be motivated and is instructed by political actors. You, we've seen it, for example, in colonial pipelines. Uh, there is a Russian group that uh, attacked uh, the, the, the petroleum uh, carrier, controlling colonial uh, infrastructure, colonial pipeline in the US, which is, was a Russian group. Um, and uh, the Americans have admitted that it's uh, probably uh, been instructed, promoted, uh, encouraged, uh, you name it, by, uh, by a Russian uh, government. And we've seen it also by uh, activities uh, uh, ransomware activities uh, on Israel that may have been uh, uh, may have been uh, motivated by Iran, like uh, Shirbit and like uh, the, the hospital Hillel uh, Yafe. So you see a mixture. So now we cannot absolutely uh, isolate between the two and uh, see the the, the, the cybercrime is is it's like in the physical world when you see uh, in the Negev uh, smuggling of weapons. This is a uh, both criminal and uh, terrorists uh, connected together uh, doing the same. And now it is, uh, you know, uh, the techniques to do those attacks, both in, in the cyber crime or the hybrid, the hybrid uh, cyber attacks or the politically, um, the pure politically, they are all various techniques amongst our uh, theft of identities, uh, phishing uh, emails, uh, trying to penetrate in the end what the, the, the adversary wants is to penetrate its payload into your system, and you will find uh, the best way to do it by, by a variety of uh, um, techniques to do it, amongst are what you have uh, mentioned. Mr. Kravtsov, in one sentence, any recommendation before the program ends uh, to our viewers? So I would recommend uh, to always keep all your software up to date, to always trust the software vendors that you use, and so that's this part, you can also um, get some security solutions to, to, to on top of it. And, and of course, uh, to be minded and make sure you don't uh, make any social mistake or um, and think that something uh, uh, is something that is not and um, just felt too efficient uh, attack. So that's the, my recommendation. In the end, it's a human issue. Uh, take care of yourself, and uh, you will reduce the risk by 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 many many multipliers. Indeed. Well, this has been very helpful. Uh, so I'd like to thank uh, uh, Professor Colonel Siboni and Mr. Kavtsov for being part of today's panel, as well as uh, our TV7 editor at large, Mr. Amir Oren, and our viewers at home. We will see you next time. 
Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.